Welcome, welcome to Fearless. I am Jason Whitlock. Whit. That round of applause is from Uncle Jimmy, uh, who's my trusty sidekick as always. Happy day before Friday. Your biggest fan. Yeah, uh, hopefully, sure. Uh, hopefully, uh, we both got big weekend plans. That's why we're calling this the day before Friday. That's it. I'm going to do nothing as, as usual. Uncle Jimmy, what are you going to do? I'm going to sit at home and do nothing and enjoy these good ranchers, <laughs> these, good, these good rancher steaks that oh, we've yeah. been getting in the mail. I am going to eat over the weekend. I am looking forward to it. They're making me lazy, man, but yeah. come on. <laughs> anyway, we're also going to be joined by Drew Holden, one of my favorite follows on Twitter. Drew does an amazing job of cataloging the, the hypocrisy, the stupidity of corporate media. He's done that again, taking a look at Andrew Cuomo and how the uh, mainstream media, the corporate media, are addressing the Cuomo sexual harassment allegations. I need Andrew, to leave Andy alone. Man. Yeah, he's got some problems, Jim. But uh, before we get there, <laughs> I'm going to start a massive fire. A massive fire. This is the fire starter of all fire starters. I've been going off about the Olympics uh, the entire time. And now, guess what? I discovered the Olympic 4x100 relay team, or the (laughs) relay race, is racist. That's the only logical explanation for the embarrassing performance of the United States men's relay team last night and over the past two decades. It's got to be racism. What else could it be? In our country... Olympic-level sprinting is dominated by black men. The 4x100 relay requires four black American men to work cohesively together for approximately 38 seconds. We can't do it. We certainly couldn't do it last night, and we've struggled doing it for the past 20 years. In a qualifying heat at the Tokyo Games, Team USA finished sixth, sixth, S-I-X-T-H, six. Let me hold that up. Out of how many teams? I think there were eight in the race. We finished six. We finished behind China, behind Canada, behind Italy, behind Germany, behind Ghana. It's impossible to make the relay final from the sixth place in a heat. The United States won't be winning any sort of medal in the event we absolutely dominated until the race turned racist after the 2000 title at the Sydney Games. Up until 2004, Team USA had won the gold in 15 of the 20 4 by 100 relays held in Olympic history. We owned the track in virtually all the sprints. We flashed our God-given gifts, our work ethic, and our ability to work as a team for the greater good. It was a showcase of black American excellence. Bob Hayes, Jim Hines, Carl Lewis, Maurice Green, they all took the baton symbolically handed to them by Jesse Owens and represented the country at the highest level. Then something very disturbing happened at the 2004 Olympics. Systemic racism started easing its way into the event at the Athens Games. America finished second in Greece. Ebron X. Kendi argues the systemic relay racism was always there. But it wasn't until 2008 that black Twitter and ESPN pointed out 
that the Proud Boys, Trump supporters, and right-wing insurrectionists began manipulating the relay batons and the baton exchange zones. This manipulation made it impossible for black American men to excel in track and field's premier relay event. America has not won a single medal in the relay since white bigots took control of the relay. Did you know that, Jim? I, I see where you're going here with you, that. You, you, I, I, I would love to lie and say that I knew that, but yeah, I see where you're going. White here. bigots came in and and just totally took over the four by one hundred relay. They manipulated, so we can't perform. It's it's same damn thing happened to my sex life. I can't make it thirty eight seconds either. White man got that too. Huh? <laughs> exact same thing. Listen, obviously I'm being sarcastic. Systemic racism has nothing to do with the two decades long failure of our once dominant relay team. Systemic dysfunction actually explains the failure. What we witnessed last night is a symptom of a larger problem we in black America are loath to discuss. Rather than having uncomfortable conversations with white people, we need to have uncomfortable conversations amongst ourselves concerning the fact that black men we don't function well together, Jim. Mm. Mm. It's obvious to everyone else. We're the only people who refuse to talk about it. We just hope the Crips and the Bloods get old and retire. We think our kids will learn to resolve conflict without resorting to violence when white liberals decide to teach us other options. If we just ignore our dysfunction long enough, Jim, it's gonna go away. If we just don't deal with it. Sounds like insanity to me. Jim, it sounds like what we do. We just ignore problems hoping they'll go away. That kind of wishful thinking led to last night's relay fiasco. What transpired last night surprised no one paying attention. It's the equivalent of feigning disbelief on a Monday morning when you learn of how many black men or boys were gunned down over a weekend in Chicago or Baltimore or Indianapolis or New York. Kansas City. Black male dysfunction is expected. Hours before last night's qualifying heat, the Washington Post published a long piece detailing the relay team's baton issues. The piece was titled, Metal or Nothing, U.S. Men's Sprinters Have a Handoff Problem. The story reads as prophecy. Last night, U.S. Sprinters Ronnie Baker and Fred Curley struggled mightily to complete the second baton exchange. It took three attempts. By the time it was completed, Baker and Curley were side by side, and Curley was at a relative standstill. Relay anchorman Craven Galepsi briefly climbed to third place and then faded badly as he began to look around at his competitors. Reaction to this collapse was swift and angry. Here's a quote from uh, Carl Lewis from Twitter. The USA team did everything wrong in the men's relay. The passing system is wrong. Athletes running the wrong legs. And it was clear that there was no leadership. It was a total embarrassment and completely unacceptable for a USA team to look worse than the AAU kids I saw. End quote from Carl Lewis, one of our greatest sprinters. Jim, we got smoked by China. Not a Jamaican team led by Usain Bolt. China. China won the heat. Germany beat us, Ghana beat us, 
Ghana advanced to the final. Ghana apparently doesn't give a damn about the Proud Boys and the Insurrectionists. All that manipulation that's been screwing us over just flies by Ghana and a bunch of other teams with black races. We can't use COVID protocols as an excuse. All the other countries have had limited practices because of the pandemic. You can't cover up 20 years of failure and ineptitude with excuses. No, I keep making sarcastic jokes about racism. I'm doing it because the most damaging racism impacting black people today is the use of racism to eliminate accountability and responsibility for black men. Stop right there. Go back, because I want to repeat that. I want to make sure the, the back of the room can hear this. You gonna say this for the you gonna say this for, for people in the back? Yes, I want to. I'm doing it because the most damaging racism impacting black people today is the use of racism to eliminate accountability and responsibility for black men. Respect. Our sprinters are irresponsible because we fail to hold them accountable for their failure. Black people across the globe immigrate to America and achieve their dreams because they embrace a far different mentality than what's cultivated in black American culture. Black sprinters in Ghana, Jamaica, Canada, and everywhere else don't have the kind of baton problems we have. We can't work together. What happened? We used to be able to. What happened? Well, when <laughs> you're raised in family dysfunction, that dysfunction follows you for life, especially when you never acknowledge it, pretend it never existed, or if you believe it's white people's responsibility to address it or adjust to your dysfunction. There's absolutely nothing wrong with black people. The problem is the culture we've embraced. We've embraced a culture that undermines our success. We've embraced a mentality that undermines our success. We've been programmed to believe our actions don't really determine our destiny. The actions of white people are all that matter. This worldview eliminates accountability and empowers irresponsibility. Rewatch the 4x100 relay qualifier from last night. Maybe one member of the, maybe one member of the Chinese relay team is good enough to make our relay team. But China smoked us. How? Why? It damn sure isn't talent. It's culture. It's an inability to set egos aside and work together in a cohesive fashion. Everybody can see it. Let's say white people pitted us against each other. Let's say it started in slavery. Got no problem with that. I actually agree with it. I also think it's insanely foolish to expect white people to fix it. It's not going to happen. It's no different from a man breaking your leg in a fight and expecting him to do the rehabilitation. Only you can do the rehab. Black men, we have a culture problem. What are we gonna do about it? Our silence is violence. Mm. Jimbo. Big bro. That's my fire for today. Do you have an extinguisher or do you have gas? Um, in law enforcement, we have a phrase. 
And in law enforcement, that phrase is silence is consent. That men's four by 100 relay team did what black whiz black men been doing for about the past 50 years. We fell on our face while the world was watching. I started watching that race last night and I knew, I knew that they was getting ready to smoke everybody out there. And they made me and my racist ass look silly as hell. (laughs) (laughs) It it, it reminded me, honestly, it put me in mind of, it about as stupid as we looked in Vegas when we knew that Dante Wilder was, when Dante Wilder got the brakes beat off by, 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 by Tyson Fury during Black History Month. It was a sad day in black history. Jim, that's a great, Deontay Wilder's a great reference point because I rem- I was at that fight. We all went to that fight. Fox Sports, we pulled out all the stops. And I remember, remember Deontay Wilder came in dressed up in this all black thing, music, blah, blah. He turned it into a race war and then got his ass beat by a white boxer. And it was embarrassing. It was embarrassing. And he racialized it. And again, this goes back this connects to my, I'm so glad you made that Deontay Wilder connection because this goes back to my entire point. We are so concerned about white people and what white people think. Deontay Wilder is, is going into the biggest fight of his career and he puts his mind state, he's thinking about white people. Let me put this music on, let me put this outfit on to show everybody how black I am. Yeah, the image that he wants to promote. Let me show everybody how black I am rather than let me show everybody what a great boxer I am. Or rather than this suit is heavy as hell (laughs) and it's hot inside here. (laughs) And caught up in the distraction and in the obsession with white people, Deontay Wilder gets the brakes beat off of him by Tyson Fury. It's embarrassing. And, And we never as black men or as black people step back and have that discussion like, what are we doing? We're focused on them and not focused on ourselves. And so we will come up with uh, campaigns to, hey, uh, how can we go out and teach white people how to get along better with, uh, with us? How, oh, let's get, let's have some uncomfortable conversation with white people and teach them how to get along with, let's go down to the police force and teach them how to get along better with, with black boys and black men. No one ever says, hey man, why don't you black guys get together and figure out how you can get along with each other and work together rather than resorting to pulling out guns and shooting and killing each other at the first sight of conflict. And, and, and again, if you go read the Washington Post story, you go read what Carl Lewis is saying about these problems within the four by 100 relay team have been there and have been unaddressed for decades for that because we're so afraid to have a public conversation, a conversation that that reaches out to all black people say, hey man, black men, we have to work on our issues. We have to work on our handoff. We gotta work on our, but again, the track thing is a symptom of a larger problem. Yes sir. Anytime we have conflict, 
Anytime we let ego, and again, because I, I read up quite a bit on what's been going on with the track team, and I, I saw a quote from, oh man, I can't, why can't I? It was, it was a track, a, a great sprint star who's now become a track coach, and he said it like eight, nine years ago that like, hey, our lack of patriotism is interfering with us on the 4x100 relay team. He said this like eight, nine, ten years ago, that, that we don't take any pride in this. We just think we can show up and show out and that's going to be good enough. And we've been getting the brakes beat off of us in this event since 2004. And, and there, I think there was one year where we won it, but Tyson Gay got caught riding dirty with steroids mm-hmm. yeah. and we got eliminated. But we've made a fool of ourselves in this event right. for the last 20 years when we used to dominate it. Something has changed within the soul of black American culture. We take no pride in this country and we take no responsibility for our actions. That lack of accountability is why we're underachieving. You can, China beat the brakes off of us in a four by 100 relay. China. Will you stop saying that? It's the truth. That's embarrassing. Stop saying it. And I, I, maybe I sound racist by pointing out that China beat the brakes off, but that would have been laughable. That would have been laughable 20 years ago that China could get in a 4 by 100 relay and beat the brakes off of us. You know why Carl Lewis made that tweet? Because I guarantee you Carl Lewis and, and, and Maurice Green and some of these other guys are like, hey, we could have done, we could at least finish before, better than sixth. That's why they said that. All right, let's let's roll out to D.C. and bring in our man Delano Squires, the professor, and see if we can uh, take this conversation to a even higher level. Uh, Delano, uh, you've heard my rant. You've read my rant. Mm-hmm. What's your reaction? Hey guys, it's it's interesting. I, I went back. And I watched the race. Um, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. It really was a terrible performance. As you said, at one point, two of the sprinters were basically next to one another. Um, and again, I, I'm not as familiar with all the issues that have plagued you know, the 4x100 team over the last 20 years. I, I've read a little bit. I've seen um, the Washington Post uh, story about it. But I, I can say this. Um, anytime, and this picks up on some of what Carl Lewis was saying, anytime you have a unit that has poor leadership, and where people don't understand their roles, you're gonna have trouble. Regardless of what that unit is, what that organization is, you're gonna have some serious trouble. So it's, it's interesting because we, we were having um, this type of conversation last week, Jason, where we talked about the, the handoff um, among black intellectuals. And even, let's say over the last 25, 30 years, from Cornell West to Michael Eric Dyson to Tanasi Coates to Ibram Kendi, and you can see that as the baton gets passed, um, th- that there are issues that come in and, and the person who's receiving the baton is not able to really keep pace uh, with the person who, who uh, gave it to them. And on a broader level, I, I see this even again culturally. And, and part of this is a, is, a, is a larger sort of mainstream, you know, national conversation. But part of this really does strike at the heart of our community where as you go from, again, generation to generation, 
from, you know, post-emancipation, through Jim Crow, through the civil rights era, um, and now this generation, the post-civil rights generation, has received that baton. And you look at the things that we do, you look at our use of a word, for instance, like respectability or responsibility, those are now curse words almost among you know our leadership class. And it's hard to imagine how far one that we've come, you know, socially, economically, but really seeing how far we've fallen in terms of the community itself. Um, how back in the days, even in, in the worst of discrimination and, and segregation, uh, families were strong, um, communities were strong, people owned businesses and um, they, they, you know, attended church and, you know, whatever, practice their faith. And now we're at a point where we have more materially, we have, we have access to more resources. But the things that allowed us to be successful back then um, have started to, to uh, fade away. And you're starting to see, you know, the issues that we're having now. Um, and I think in many respects, again, that, that baton passing, that handoff um, is, is very much similar to, to what you were describing about the, about the relay team. Delano, why are we, because I, I believe what happened last night is just a small symptom of what's going on in the larger society with us as black men. We're underachieving. Th those guys showed up to the track with more than enough talent to be the best. And they keep showing up with more than enough talent to be the best in the relay. And, blah, and we keep finding ways to lose. And, mm -hmm. and again, when the Washington Post is publishing 3,000 word detailed reported pieces like that basically are saying, you know, they're going to screw this up. They've been having these baton issues and they're going to screw this up. They're predicting our failure so that they can look prescient and ahead of the curve. But, but I, I, and again, I made the analogy, I think in my column, they're like, this is like everybody's expectation. Well, there's gonna be shootings in Chicago this weekend. We know it. Crips in the bloods, gangster disciples, they're gonna shoot up some black boys and men. And we'll read the story on Monday about how many were killed over the weekend. It's expected, yet there's no conversation being held around Hey man, what's going on with black boys and men? I hear, I'm just repeating, we've talked about this previously, but there's a lot of conversation about you go girl and what we can do to, to mm. help black women get ahead. Black girl magic. Black girl, there's no focus. And, and what's going on with us that we can't even have this conversation or, or you know, as I sit here and rant about it, I, I'm like, I, the system doesn't even want, don't, doesn't want us to have this conversation. And so maybe, that, maybe that's just the total explanation is like, oh, they'd never put Delano on one of these talk shows and, and build a <laughs> conversation around his point of view. The, the, only, the only people they'll put on one of these, Joy Reid will go talk about it the way that we want it talked about, or, or Bomani Jones or whomever, Jamel Hill, they'll go talk about it the way we want to talk about it. But what, how much of this is on us, how much of this is on the system that we can't even have a discussion about the struggles of black boys and black men? Mm. 
That's a great question. I mean, it's it's interesting because the the women's relay team seems to do pretty well every Olympics. I, I mean, they they smoke some of the other countries, um, but I'm I'm not sure. You know what what those issues are. I'm always for honest conversations. Um, I'm always for honest public conversations if if people are, have the courage to have them. I'm I would be curious to know whether this is. Uh, more of an issue with the 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 sprinters who um, occupy slots on the team. I'd be curious to know whether they're preoccupied, right? They they may not be practicing as much, uh, honing their craft as much because they may be out chasing endorsement deals or trying to be, you know, social media influencers. I actually I I don't know. I don't I don't really um, follow uh, track that closely. Um, but I but I do think, as I said. Some of those issues with with passing the baton, the, those get down to um, issues of teamwork and cohesion, and you see this in sports all the time, particularly in team sports. A team that on paper has superior athletes and superior um, individual performers can often be beaten by a team that may not have as many you know elite athletes, but plays well together. Um, I think you also see instances in which athletes will dedicate themselves to improving their weak spots, their weak areas, to hone in their craft. And you see guys, I mean, just in the, in the past you know, couple of weeks, we saw you know, Giannis Antetokounmpo um, dominate the finals. And it was so interesting when they show pictures of him and video of him from his rookie year to where he is now, you can see that he's worked on his body, he's gotten himself in better condition, um, he may have lost a step or two in terms of his agility and quickness, but he's gained it in terms of his power and his dominance. And then you compare him to someone, for instance, like Ben Simmons, who, after being in the league, you know, at least four years, still can't shoot a free throw and won't shoot a three-pointer. Um, so I think you, you see this in athletics from time to time. Some people are willing to put in the work um, to improve their performance, and other people are not. Um, now, again, if we want to have a larger cultural conversation, I'm all for that. And you talked about some of the issues around, um, you know, violence and crime, which we've talked about here on many occasions. And and the, the need for us as black men to value ourselves first, our communities, our families and value one another um, and, and talk about some of the reasons why those things are, are not happening. Um, I, I think that conversation, as you said, is one that is oftentimes stifled by, you know, corporate media, um, you know, larger, you know, cultural institutions. You know, BT is not trying to have that conversation. Um, you know, the NAACP is not trying to have that conversation. So I, I think there, there are ways to discuss both of these things. Why, you know, certain institutions are underperforming or certain individuals are underperforming, as well as that broader conversation that needs to be had um, about how we see one another and how we treat one another. Let me, let me say this to you and Jimmy. I, I need both of y'all to hear me clearly. If I'm saying something that you disagree with, don't have any fear of speaking now and, and I will not remotely be upset. And so, because if I'm wrong, if I'm making too much of what this symptom I saw in this 4x100 relay team and applying it to 
things outside of sports. Tell me I'm wrong. Let's have the discussion. Let's do it now. Let's don't dance. Because I'm not trying to really have a sports discussion. I'm trying to have a black man discussion. 20 years, we keep sending out the most talented group of sprinters, and we can't win for some reason or another. I see it analogous to the exact same problems we have in the rest of culture. There's a lack of accountability. I've read up on it. These sprinters have been talking about the lack of accountability, the lack of pride, the lack of practice, just show up, blah, blah, blah. And I see it as analogous to our mentality in things outside of sports. And, and again, my, my big statement that I'm saying in this column and this monologue and everything, the most damaging racism impacting black people today is the use of racism to eliminate accountability and responsibility for black men. Mm. If, if I'm wrong, someone tell me I'm wrong. Go ahead. So I, tell him he's wrong, Delano. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. So tell him he's wrong. I, I definitely, I'm not saying you're wrong on, on the second count. Right now, I will say, honestly, I don't have enough information on the first count to say whether or not that's an example of the use of, you know, racism or outside factors to, um, you know, paper over a lack of performance. I can't speak to that. And I try not to speak to things that I don't have enough information. No, no, no. Let me clarify. Let me clarify my point. Let me clarify my point. This relay team has been having so many problems passing the baton for 20 years, and it's been all black sprinters. Tim Tebow ain't been in none of these races. <laughs> uh, I, you know, Christian McCaffrey ain't been in none of these races. Luka Doncic ain't American. He's not in these races. It's us. And to the point that the Washington Post wrote three, 4,000 words saying, man, you know these guys are going to have trouble passing the baton. And it's, uh, we've been running this race for at least the last 50 years with it just being all us. Well, I didn't do the research to find out when the last time a white boy was on, was on our four by 100 relay team. I don't know who it was. Maybe it was Larry Bird. But I'll just say this. That inability to work together, that's our issue. I'm just sorry. That is our issue in life here in America. That's why people in Jamaica they can be black. They don't have that issue. They don't have that same culture, that same mentality that, oh, we're not accountable for anything. If we fail, there's always the excuse of racism or racism has been so bad to us. We can't do Then people over in Ghana wasn't thinking that when they beat our ass last night and they was all black, that, that we can't work together. Mm. And Jim, am, am I nuts? You, what did you say? You said that the biggest form of racism used against us is racism. Yeah. Meaning the biggest thing used against us. And I've, when we first started this show and you started saying that I didn't agree with you, I, I, but we've constantly given young people an out. We've constantly given you a tip. We done constantly told you, you know, you're black. You know you ain't got to, you know as long as you got that on you, it's going to be okay. You always have this mark against you. And, and the truth of the matter, the truth is, and this is what you said that got me. See, you, you, you said, 
Man, we can't even get it together for 38 seconds. Now that's the for real. Honest to goodness. We can't get it together for 38 seconds to get this goal. We can't hand it off. But see, a lot of times, you know what that comes from. That comes from practice. That comes from work. That comes from training. You know, you, you, you got... These guys are training on individual things, not collectively as a team. They're working hard. They're not working smart, in my opinion. Are they working cohesively as a unit? No, they're not. And Delano, you said something about poor leadership and when people don't understand their roles. Mm-hmm. And when I heard that, I was like, bingo, bingo. That, that's what's plaguing us. Poor leadership and a lack of understanding of roles. I can apply that. I can take that completely out of the sports realm and apply that to us. We have poor leadership <laughs> because I'm just sorry and I don't care if nobody likes it. You and Jim ain't got to like it. Nobody watching has to like it. Black men are supposed to be the leaders. Mm. We don't have that. We're all running behind women and they're the leaders mm. now in the black community. Mm. That speaks to a lack of understanding of our roles. And so we're wondering why we're putting out kids and young athletes who, who, who go wet to bed at the Olympics and can't even pass a damn baton when they're more talented as a group than everybody else there. And we can't even pass the time. We have poor leadership and a lack of understanding of our roles. And I'm, I'm with you. Dante, <laughs> Delano, why you Delano? Because, man, I need somebody to help me here. <laughs> no, man, no, he got I'm... this set on fire up here. Would you please do something to him? Help me. Uh, he talking about uh, we can't pass the baton hell. I guess you forgot. We can't even pass the damn piss test. <laughs> there you go. Okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Come on, man. Because we can't no, say I... he's wrong. Now, this is one no, time I... I, I'm going to have to admit. Get it? Yeah, I'm, I mean, I, 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 as I said, and, and that's why I brought it up because Carl Lewis would know, right, the issues that are plaguing the team. But again, on, on, as, as I was thinking about it, because at first, to be honest, I didn't see the connection. Um, again, not if the sprinters came out and they did blame racism or, or if they blame outside factors, then again, I, it's a lot easier to make that connection. But when Carl Lewis Let me stop about, you again, Delano. Let me stop okay. you again. Let me stop you okay. again. I want to give you more context. I, I, just so you understand it. And yet, okay. Because perhaps some of this is on me and the confusion I may have created with sarcasm. The entire beginning of my mono is sarcasm. I'm throwing, right. it, it's not to be taken seriously. The only thing that I want you to take seriously is my assertion that one, you did pick up on poor leadership, a lack of understanding of our roles, and me saying that this obsession with white people and how white people feel about X, Y, and Z is stopping us from reaching our full potential. And I'm looking at another example, because these, the, the, what's his name? Uh, Craven Gillespie, uh, Fred Curley, Ronnie Baker, and I can't remember the four. They're a reflection of us. And what we're what our culture is producing and the guys that fell before them are a reflection of us and the culture that we're producing and incubating them in. And they for 38 seconds, they can't work together. For 38 seconds. 
That's not asking a lot. And I'm looking at us in our own neighborhoods and we can't work together without mm. shooting and killing each other. You, <laughs> the, I, I'm gonna get to, the biggest struggle I've had in my career. Okay. And, and this will sound very arrogant, but y'all taking me there and, and I have no choice. I feel like I'm out on an island, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna just go. Bring us. I got you. You go back to me and ESPN and the undefeated. Okay. There's nobody in this business who won't, that can deny I'm, I'm the best sports writer black America has ever produced. Now, I don't, kiss my ass if you don't like it. It's facts. Damn. Mm. Where? And then, and you can take the black out of it. I'm in contention for the best ever, period. Mm. But when they put me in control of the undefeated, mm. black people ran wild on me. Mm. And did everything in their power to make sure I couldn't lead the undefeated. I was the best person for it. I was the most qualified, but ran wild on me. People I tried to help put knives in my front, back, and every place else they could. People I tried to help didn't do a damn thing to that. That Don't do token it. Don't do Uncle it. Tom. Don't. Come on, man. Come on. Be perfect. Greg Howard. Damn it. Mm. Didn't do nothing but try to help him. Stab me in the back. We can't get along for 38 seconds, and we think we can get along in life? Mm-hmm. Mm. And we just want to run around. We don't want to spend any energy and time working on our issues and coming. We out putting shows together, teaching white folks how to treat us. And we don't know how to treat ourselves. Mm. That's what you saw last night. I'm sorry, I'm, I, I may have screwed it up and, with, with the sarcasm at the beginning and distracted people. I'm not saying racism had any, well, racism did have something to do with it. it because again, it's the racism of preaching to us that we're not accountable for our lack own destiny. What? The yeah. lack of accountability. Yeah. Yeah. I'm agreeing with you. Yeah. No, don't get, get mad yeah. at me, I'm agreeing with you. I, I, just, I just can't, I ain't nothing I can say to it. You on fire. Yeah. And you dead ass right. I'm, I'm. That's that's the word young kids do. I'm dead ass serious. <laughs> well, you dead ass right this time. Yeah. I mean, I'm, the, I'm just I, saying. I say this. I mean, truthfully, I I I would love to. I, and you had to give me a little pep talk this morning. And I, I would love to disagree with you, but I have to tell you, man, you, you you're dead on. You ain't out there by yourself. I agree with you now, whether anybody else agree with you. <laughs> I, I, I agree with you. I see where you went. You going with us? <laughs> <laughs> you going with us, D? I, What's up, man? I mean, I think I think you you have your your thumb right on the on 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 the issues, um, the broader issues that I think that I think we're talking about, and the issues that are holding us back. Um, and, and again, the lack of responsibility, the lack of accountability. Um, and and it's, it's not the problem is not just, oh, we don't want to take responsibility for ourselves. The problem is that the people who claim to speak for us, the people who s- occupy the, the position of leaders in our community, influencers, tell us that we shouldn't take responsibility for ourselves. That, that's one of the big problems. So, again, when when you when you use words like 
respectability, responsibility, personal responsibility, as pejoratives, as, as bad words, your community's gonna have trouble. And I think you see that in, in all different types of uh, areas of life. Um, and, and to me, it's something that at a certain point, we're just gonna have to address and we're gonna have to hit it head on. Because you can't, you can't have a functioning family or community or neighborhood or country if you're telling one part of that unit that they're not responsible for any of the things that they do. When, when you tell them that um, someone who lived 300 years ago is more responsible for the things that they've done, that they're doing today than they are, um, you, you're never gonna have progress. I, I've actually, and I'll use an example of that. I actually, one time I talked about um, a shooting that happened, I think in, in New York, and I, I was talking about it on social media. And I had somebody I know, his first response was, well, you know there was redlining in that community, and you know he talked about systemic racism that's occurred over the last 250 years. Now, given the community and the demographics, part of what I was thinking was like, it's a good chance that that kid's family got to the United States within the last 30 years. So we're not even talking about the descendants, you know, of, of um, slaves in America. He's probably from the West Indies, you know, similar to my family is. But th there's, a, there's a reflex that every time issues regarding um, the black community come up, our leaders are the ones that have the reflex that says, no, it's white people's fault. And as you, you, you talked about um, the example you gave with somebody, you know, you got in a fight, somebody broke your leg, you can't expect him to, to rehab to help you rehabilitate. And to me, that's spot on. It's possible to say that something is someone's fault, but just because they, they caused it doesn't mean that they're gonna come back and fix it. So it may be their fault, but it's my problem now. And the question is whether or not I'm gonna do my part to address my problem, or whether I'm just gonna wait on somebody else to come and do it for me. And to the extent that that plays out in other areas of society, um, particularly in our community, you, as I said, you know we're gonna have we're just gonna have trouble, and we're just gonna have we're gonna be having these same conversations for the next 30, 40, 50 years Un until we our our leadership class, the heads of the NAACP, the people who run media companies, the Root, the Grio, the Roland Martins of the world, um, the Joy Reeds of the world, the Ta-Nehisi Coates, the Ibram Kennedys, the Jamel Hills, until those people are at a point. Where they can start saying, smoke it out of him, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> un, 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 until that leadership class. Took it a while. Is, it took it a while until he got willing, <laughs> is, is willing to have honest conversations, um, we're, we're going to be in trouble. So it's only going to end one of two ways. One, we're going to kick, kick those people out of, the, out of you know, the leadership seat, and new people are going to come up. Or two, black folks in general, the masses, are going to say, we don't even need leaders. If we had more fathers in the home, if we had stronger churches and community institutions, if we built our own businesses and educated our own children and, and didn't respond to every issue in our community by first saying they, they not doing, they won't let me, they won't let us, um, if we did those things, we wouldn't have to listen to these foolish people. They can say whatever they want and we're just gonna keep on building. So that's, those are the only two choices we have. Either get better people in the place of leadership, or we say we get rid of them all together because they're not leaders anyway, and we're just gonna 
you know, build our own homes and our own families. And each person is going to not just do for self, but help one another, but without the, the, the quote unquote help of the people who are trying to undermine us. You feel better now? I, now that's a, a lot fire. better. <laughs> now that's a fire. Go ahead and button your top button, Delano. <laughs> For real, because you, you done got a little warm there. Come on, man. Look at you. Do like this. Wipe the sweat from your brow, brother. Welcome to the party. I'm proud of you. Oh, man. That's some of his best work. He done, it, it took him a while to get I to I smoked it. it out of him. And, yeah. and you know what? Delano, I'm going to let you go. Great job. Because uh, okay. I'm going to smoke some more out of Jim here in a second. Oh, I'm not done with you. Delano, awesome job. Hold up. Wait a minute. Take me with you. <laughs> <laughs> he beat me when y'all gone. <laughs> Jim. Yes, sir. That's what I'm talking about in terms of we need to be having these type conversations. We can't continue to put our head in the sand. And, oh, it's just going to go away. And, and looking at just obvious. I, I was, when that race was going on, I was in my little tech stream with all my guys from school, uh, all brothers. You know, we all play football together, whatever. And when it happened, everybody, everybody started texting at the same time, like, well, damn, you see the fool we just made out of ourselves? Mm -hmm. on the, 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 the track, the 4x100 relay team just made a fool of itself. And, but nobody wants to make that next step. And again, it, it would be easy to sit there and say, well, those are just individuals. They don't represent us. But I'm just sorry. This has been four or five straight Olympics where we keep falling on our face in an event that we are clearly have the most or the second most talent. I, when Usain Bolt was around, you know, he was a problem. And 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 they needed to be. I, I, I'll give I'll give us that excuse, but we haven't meddled here in I don't know how many years. Tyson Gay cheating cost us a medal. I think a silver or something like that. But when they can predict your failure based on your previous behavior, you have a problem. When the Washington Post can write basically a prediction. Hey, these guys are about to slip on a banana peel because that's what they do. That's basically what the article was. Go look it up. It's a detailed account of how we, we can't pass the baton. And that's us. And it's a reflection of the coach. There's Jim, the other key part that I've said here, there's nothing wrong with black people. People will hear this and go, oh, Woodlock's hard. There you go again. There you go again. Ain't nothing wrong with us, but our culture is sick. Okay. The culture we've embraced. You hear all these people, oh, the culture, I'm doing it for the culture. The, co the culture is sick. It's depraved. It promotes drug dealing. Every ounce of immorality that, that you, prostitution. Debauchery. Pimping. Home. Drug use. Everything. Violence. That's the culture. And, and, and the culture, the culture is obsessed with, oh, what white people need to do to fix us. The culture is obsessed with us not taking responsibility for our own destiny. Us looking for somebody else to fix us instead of fixing ourselves. Anytime we have a conflict or any kind of disagreement, 
with white people. Oh, that's racism. You Maybe that person's just an asshole. Ooh. Yeah, somebody sent me something yesterday of uh, there's some NBA player, Jason Hayes or Jackson Hayes or some Jackson Hayes or whatever. They got him and him and the police got in a tussle and they used a taser on him. And somebody sent me a tweet. I guess Jason's going to say uh, there ain't no racism after looking at this. Hey, man, do you have a brain? Do you know that police do dumb shit all the time to black and white people? They use excessive force on black and white people. It's not, sometimes the police are just wrong. Just like I'm just wrong sometimes. Sometimes your doctor's wrong. Thank you. And it has, it's not based on race, it's based on. Sometimes your airline pilot is wrong. And do dumb, irresponsible things. That, That, whatever happened to Jackson Hayes, there's no proof that it was racism. There may be. It was just wrong. Yes, there may be proof that they used excessive force. There's no proof that it was based on race. Again, because, I, and I'll say this, if negative actions towards black men are always motivated by race, then what I'm arguing is no one's more racist against black men than black men. Can I ask you a question? No one hates us more than we hate ourselves. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. And this is a, this is a, who has called you? Who, who, it, through your, through the course of your life, where have you heard more racial epithets from? From white people? Who's called you a coon more? Black people or white people? Who's called me the N-word more? I, I was getting ready to get to that. Black people or white people? Who's called it to you more? It's, it ain't even close. In law enforcement, you know, you, you know who calls me the N-word most? You know who called me the Uncle Tom the most? Black people. I was an Uncle Tom-ass Negro because I chose to do my job. I chose to have a job. I chose to pay child support, pay taxes, and have a job. But instead, I'm an old suck-ass Negro because I'm out here doing what these white folks want me to do. Because you breaking the law. I'm wrong. That's my people saying that. That ain't white people saying that to me. That's, that, that, that's black people saying that to me. Jim, just staying authentic to our relationship, I've seen the growth in you because there was a time when you thought the exact same thing. Oh, yeah. And I, and I tell that story all the time. And it was, a, it was a moment. No, no, no. I'm, I'm not even talking about Casey Casey. Okay. I'm, I'm not, I, that's okay. not what I'm all talking right. about. No, I'm talking about remove from me your relationship with the sheriff's department, your relationship just with life in general was like, man, the white folks out here out to get me, blah, 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 blah. And a lot of our conversation has been about, man, no, nah, man, what are you doing? What is Jimmy Dodds doing? What is Jimmy Dodds doing wrong? And I had to look at myself and correct myself if I wanted to go further. This is why I'm here where I'm at today. And, and, and so I say that to say there was a time 
when Jason Whitlock, that was my outlook on the world. That, that, that's one, I, I got so trapped up in my dislike of my white head football coach at Ball State. Right. That I quit football. Now, my injured knee was part of it, but trust me, part of it was my bitterness and just belief like, oh, man, this. And trust, there was, I'm not going to die, there was some bigotry. The Ball State football team that we dealt with that was real. One of my best friends, Tim Walton, was our best player. They didn't treat him like that. They didn't, they didn't give him the credit that he deserved. Because he was black. He played next to a white guy that they funneled all the attention and accolades to. Tim was the MVP of the team. Voted on by his teammates and everybody, everybody could see it. But they, they, the accolades went to somebody else. We had a guy, Andre Barnett, another good friend of mine. Him and a white dude get in a fight at a party. I'm there. Everybody's there. These... Two guys, I like both guys, him and Jesse Neal. Jesse Neal was white, Andre Barnett, one of my best friends. He's black, they get in a fight. They kick Andre off the team. Nothing happened to Jesse Neal. We was like, are you kidding me? The whole team, you know, the black part of it went off. And they had to bring out, so I've seen it. But damn it, it don't stop you from achieving. Andre Barnett's a successful businessman in Detroit, in uh, Louisville right now. One of the best people I know. Tim Walton, successful family man, businessman in Detroit. He and his wife, beautiful family. It doesn't stop you. It's not an excuse. Yes, it happens. But you can overcome it. And we got to get in that mentality. Because this mentality we got right now is killing us. Mm. I'm sorry, I didn't, wow, we done ran this in a long. Hey, man. We done. I thought Monday was your best piece of work. Th- 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 this might uh, be. Real. Y'all made it hard on me, man, you and Delano. I had, I had to put some fire on y'all to, to. Actually, you didn't realize we was actually putting, <laughs> we was putting fire on you. <laughs> it, it, this whole bacon smell like, this whole studio smell like bacon right now. <laughs> Let me tell you about my good friends at Good Ranchers. This show being run out of Nashville, Uncle Jimmy. You know we talk chicken here, hot chicken. Nashville is known for the best hot chicken in America. As you know, over our years together, I'm a big fan of chicken too. (laughs) Everybody knows that I love chicken. But the other night, I was just relaxing in my home here in downtown Nashville and wanted some chicken, and that's what I remembered. I still got some good ranches in the refrigerator. Threw them in the air fryer. Found some garlic pepper seasoned chicken breast in the fridge. Grilled it up. And man, oh man, some of the juiciest and most flavorful chicken I've had in a very long time. You can have their chicken and other great tasting 100% American made and produced products shipped directly to your home. If you subscribe, you will get $20 off and free express shipping. Get steakhouse quality for less than $5 per meal. Go to GoodRanchers.com slash fearless to get $20 off and free express shipping. That's GoodRanchers.com slash fearless. Welcome back. Welcome back to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. 
All right, Uncle Jimmy, we got a new guest coming on the show. Right. Someone that I hope this it won't be his last appearance. It'll be his first, but hopefully it won't be his last appearance. Drew Holden uh, joins us. It says Drew's a writer at The Resurgent. I know Drew as someone who has one of the best Twitter feeds in all of America. Drew makes frequent appearances on uh, Stu Does America That's on Blaze TV. Drew. Oh, is that how you know? I, I, I know Drew from Stu. Oh, you do? Yeah. Oh, I, 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 I don't. I know him from his terrific uh, Twitter feed that does an excellent job of memorizing or he keeps receipts on all the media. If you said something interesting and you're a member of the media, he seems to hold on to it and then point it out later when you, you look brilliant at one point, now you look real stupid. And he's done that with uh, the problems relating to Andrew Cuomo, the governor of uh, New York, who has, uh, who's Cuomo-sexual, Cuomo-sexual harassment, uh, <laughs> who's in a lot of hot water for sexually harassing a lot of women. And Drew's got the receipts on the, the media. Remember back at the beginning of COVID, uh, Andrew Cuomo was the smartest man in America. And he I, was a, yes, he was. He was a hero. He, yes, he, he was. He shipped a lot of elderly people off to their death, but somehow he was the smartest man in America. That's Drew, so he could get to their daughters. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> probably sorry. true. Let's bring Drew in. And I'm Drew, sorry, before Drew. we get to Andrew Cuomo, <laughs> I would like for you to define yourself and to... Who are you, and how are you do? How are you able to keep all these receipts, Jason? I, I appreciate that, sir. Um, I mean, I think that the short answer is I've got a lot of screenshots on my phone. That every time I see something, you spend too much time looking at a lot of this stuff with the media, and you start to get kind of a sense of smell of the sorts of things that don't really—they just don't sound right. And so I've got all of these screenshots going back months and years and whatever. Whenever somebody says something that I think is going to look pretty foolish down the road, I mean, what I what I try and do really at the end of the day is I write about media accountability. I try and make sure that the, the stories that the media is telling are accurate, and insofar as they aren't accurate, right, or something goes something goes bunk, that there's someone there to say, hey, guys, I, you, you screwed this up, maybe really badly. Uh, and that's, I guess that's, that's the best way to define my beat. And do you just do this over Twitter or do you write a column somewhere as well? Yeah, so I, I do a little freelance writing. So especially when they're really bad, like really kind of unforgivable coverage, I'll, I'll write pieces and columns and things like that. Not for anyone regular, though. I, I've written a little bit for National Review. I try to write for mainstream audiences, too. At the end of the day, I think the people who really need to get it through their head that sometimes the media makes mistakes and sometimes they're really big ones. A lot of those are the people on the other side of the fence, right? Guys like you and I, I think it's not going to surprise us when the media screws something up. But for a lot of people, I think they've got to hear it. So I, I write for mainstream outlets, too, uh, to try and try and hold up that mirror in a lot of ways and say, hey, look, this this doesn't look good. And you got to look at Walk me through a bit of your bio in terms of where you're from, where you went to college, how did you fall into this line of work? Yeah, it's an interesting question. So I'm originally from uh, a little town outside of Boston, Massachusetts, so probably about 45 minutes out in the suburbs, uh, far enough where I don't really have an accent, right, as I'm sure you can probably hear. 
but I went to school at Seton Hall University, so go Pirates. Uh, obviously, we, we are once again good at basketball, which is really nice. Um, and then, you know, I, I, I worked I worked a little bit in finance, worked a little bit on Capitol Hill, which is how I really got in, you know, interested in the media stuff. And then from there, I've kind of done this as, sort of as a hobbyist. I mean, I, I read a lot, a lot of news. I read a lot of think pieces. I read a lot of commentary. And I think it just got to a point for me where I was like, Oh man, like there there are a lot of misses, and a lot of these misses look the same at CNN as they do at the New York Times, as they do at the Washington Post, as they do at MSNBC. But but no one's talking about it, right? No one's for some reason. We've got an entire industry whose job is supposedly to bring us the facts, to bring us truth, to bring us information. But there's no one really holding them accountable or checking to make sure that the things that they're saying are true are actually true. And a lot of the times, it's it's pretty easy. Right. You can you can look at something from six months ago. And I think most people can say, oh, that's that's bad. That doesn't make any sense anymore. All right. You can follow him at Drew Holden 360 on Twitter. Drew, the latest thing you did that has caught my attention is obviously things have blown up for Andrew Cuomo in an embarrassing fashion. And it's probably more embarrassing for the media than Andrew Cuomo. Andrew Cuomo knew he was a scumbag, uh, the media (laughs) (laughs) pretending that he's some sort of hero. Who looks the worst here among the members of the media in terms of the celebration of Andrew Cuomo as this Superman-like hero who now we know is Harvey Weinstein with a governor's title? (laughs) Yeah, good way to put it. Uh, Painful, but good way to put it. Um, I... The number one person who I think looks the worst. So I think the worst outlet has got to be CNN, right? So for a long time, CNN had a rule where Chris Cuomo, governor of the brother who who works for CNN, he couldn't interview him. Makes perfect sense, right? They're brothers. He's not going to be able to do a good job interviewing him. Uh, The pandemic comes around. CNN lifts that restriction because they thought it'd be good television. So I think of all the people with egg on their face, they're definitely the worst. I mean, there's a CNN CNN video clip uh, that's titled, Chris Cuomo tells Andrew that he is the meatball of the family, right? That's that was their news coverage back then of, of how this of how this is going. It's insane. Um, and, and but I think even in all that, right, jokes aside, I think that probably the person who looks the worst is Chris Saliza, who also works for CNN. He wrote a piece uh, back in May of 2020 where he said that Andrew Cuomo had benefited from two really important things. One, radical transparency. He said that Andrew Cuomo had been helped out because everything he was doing was so out there, so above board, that it was obvious to everyone that he was doing a great job and working hard. Uh, I would dare anyone in this country a year later to, to, to defend that statement because I, I don't think anyone could. And then he also said he was an incredible bureaucrat, that he knew so much about how to be an effective, good bureaucrat uh, that he has been able to, to, to handle the pandemic. And aren't we so fortunate? that it is Andrew Cuomo who is is handling the state where the pandemic was ground zero. So there were a lot of other bad ones, right? MSNBC, Joy Ann Reid, they had some really just terrible takes about how wonderful. And also some of it too was, it wasn't just that Cuomo was doing a, go- a good job handling the coronavirus, which we know isn't true. It was the flattery of Cuomo nonstop about how great and wonderful he was. Huffington Post wrote about how he was, he was talking about how he was single and he was the mo- one of the most desirable men in America, right? Vogue had a piece along those same lines that says that everyone's crushing on Andrew Cuomo. All of these things, right? They weren't just about he's a governor who's doing an okay job. It was hero worship and it was across the board. 
Are you someone who thinks Chris Cuomo should be fired by CNN because of his relationship with his brother and participating in his brother's defense against these allegations? You know, it's a good question. Um, I would have to know. So I think intuitively I would say, yeah, come on, right? CNN, if they, if they, they've got to let this guy go, right? But I just, I worry that who knows if CNN knew about it, right? If they gave him permission to go do this stuff, and now they cut him loose. I don't know if they can do that, right? One of the one of the things that I can't shake is what what does Chris Cuomo have on CNN that they have not held him to account this whole time? Um, and is it so big that they they won't get rid of him? But yeah, I mean, come on. If I'm running that organization, there's no shot. There's no shot that I let that guy come back. I can't figure out if it actually happened or not. There seems to be some debate. Did Jeff Tubin? who had his own Zoom call masturbation problems, was he allowed to come on CNN and talk about Andrew Cuomo? I've, I've seen some people say it's not true, and I've seen some people say it did happen. Yeah, yeah, good question. So the um, there, there was basically a misidentification. People thought that it was Tubin who was on, but it was a, a senior editor at CNN who just kind of looks like Tubin. I'm, 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 I feel bad for that poor guy because uh, I, I, that's not who I would, who I would want to get confused with uh, on the internet or anywhere else. Uh, but no, so it wasn't Tubin who was on talking about Cuomo. But Tubin's been back on, right? He the CNN and and um, CNN has had him back on. He did this big interview with Dana Bash where they they are in the process of rehabilitating him. So yes, in the general sense, he's back, he's on CNN, he's talking about this stuff. No, that wasn't him the other day talking about Cuomo. All right, and there's also a lot of discussion about we're all fixated on his sexual harassment deal Mm -hmm. and everybody from Joe Biden on down is calling for him to resign, but no one seems to want to hold him accountable for his actions during COVID, which directly right. led to the death of a lot of elderly people. Right. Why is that? Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, especially for Democrats, I think it's easier to point and look at these sexual harassment allegations and say, oh, these are beyond the pale. This is accountability, right? Because this is a, like, at least in you know the cases that we know about, it's a pretty specific type of accountability. He did some things we can all agree are wrong. And so if we push him out based on this, it's done. We can wash our hands of it. And how are we to know any better that this guy has all these sexual misdeeds kicking around? If we're really going to get into his decision making, particularly when it comes to people in nursing homes, that doesn't just indict Andrew Cuomo. That indicts Governor Whitmer up in Michigan and a lot of other governors who handled this the same way. And so that to me, that to me, right, and I don't want to get too tin hatty on all this stuff, but if we're really going to hold Cuomo to account when it comes to his bad decision making during the pandemic, there's a lot of other people who are going to find themselves next to him on that firing squad. And if I'm a Democrat, that's that's not a fight I want to be having. Drew, thank you so much for coming on the show. I have to say you were far better on this show than I've ever seen you be on Stu's show. It's probably the host. Uh, Gotta be right. I've been in your court. We need to make you part of the Blaze family, man. We need you someone. Need, you need to get him back. I like yeah. him. Because <laughs> to, someone's got to hold the media accountable uh, from a significant platform because I'm some, you know, I'm a longtime critic of the media. That's why I love your stuff. Thank you so much for doing this. Can't wait to have you back. All Jason, right. pleasure's mine. Go to YouTube.com. Thank you. Go to YouTube.com slash 
Jason Whitlock, hit that subscribe, hit that notifications button, put some comments. You know, Uncle Jimmy and I will always be. I thought you were going to say, put some spec on my name. Put some spec on my name. But we watch the show and, you know, like to post comments and read your comments. Uncle Jimmy has a crazy Bible story. Welcome back. Jason Whitlock. I'm still cooling down, but uh, Uncle Jimmy, I think you can help. I hope you got a, you got a Bible story. I, I hope got, it's a good one. I, will provide I me some, some peace you. and tranquility. I, I can't pr- promise you no tranquilizers, but <laughs> listen here. I, 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 yeah. I really, really need to set this up for you. Yeah, go because ahead. Because this morning when we talked, you said, Jim, you got a story for me. Yeah, I got a story. I said, I'm going to tell you the story of Jonah in the bowels of the whale. He was in the bowels of the whale or the mouth of a whale? He was in the bowels. This was the story I was going to tell you. The was, bowels of the whale? Yes. Isn't that the back end? I thought I'm was telling the you the end. story I was going to tell you. Oh, go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. And as I was going through this of Jonah in the bowels. look up the word bowels now. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I, I and, 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 and it was the story of Jonah in the bowels of the whale. Yeah, go ahead. And as I was coming up with this, I kind of felt like you. It was kind of like a Whitlock. It was, it was going to be one of my best pieces of work. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? And all of a sudden, yeah. God came to me and said, Jim, why are you changing my story? And I told you, me and God is cool. And I was honest. I said, because, come on, man. Ain't nobody going to believe that a man got swallowed by a whale and live to tell about it. So I need to make it funny. And all of a sudden, and this is a true story, I called Chris and Corey and Justin back. And I said, hey man, have y'all heard a story about a man getting ate up by a whale? And Chris Smartelic ass said, yeah, Jonah. And I'm like, no, have y'all heard a story about a man getting ate up by a whale in Florida? And Justin gave that look like he gave us on camera like this. Well, there was a guy in July the 11th. What year? 2000 this year, last month. That guy right there. I can't read the headline. He was swallowed by a whale. And lived to tell about it? And lived to tell about it. That's him. So there you go. I had to set that up that God said, now, tell your story. Because as I, now I had to go back and look up Jonah. Because I had to see what's this. And come to find out, because we, the story of Jonah, we think Jonah was a fisherman that didn't do what God told him to do and went out fishing and God made a whale eat him up. That's not what happened? That's not what happened. God, evidently, Jonah was one of God's top dogs. And God had told Jonah, I need you to go to the city of Neverland. Uh, I think it was never, 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 yeah. Neverland? Neverland. Okay. Same thing. Michael Jackson have a Neverland? Same thing. He said, I need you to go to Neverland. 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 He said, I need you to speak to, to preach to these people. Yeah. Now, Jonah didn't want to go because Jonah said, hey, man, hey, none of these people had no shots. 
<laughs> they ain't wearing no mask. They coughing. Wow. I don't want to go. Sounds like my house. There you go. <laughs> and so what Jonah decided to do was, and see, this is the part we didn't. If you don't read your book, you miss out on. Instead of getting on the boat and going to do what God told him to do, he got on the boat and tried to hide and go this way. Now, see, this is what I said. You got to listen to the story because he hid out in the bottom of the boat with the stowaways. Okay. And what happened was God started shaking up the sea. Now, we always talk about men and how men are these days. Man, I need you to listen to how men was back then. Men said, "Mm, we got a problem and something is going on. And said, God is mad at somebody on this boat. So they had to get everybody from the boat up and they had to do accountability. And everybody was good. See, this is why I'm real careful about who I ride with on an airplane. <laughs> See, because if just because it's your time to meet God don't mean it's my time to meet yeah, God. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? So they look at everybody and everybody's good. But it was one person who was asleep at the bottom of the boat. And this is what I'm talking about by me. And so they said, oh, it's you. You the one God looking for. Jonah like, huh? They made Jonah walk the plank. They threw Jonah's ass off the boat. Get off this boat right now. He was laid and overslept for work. Get off this boat now. I don't blame him. Okay, now here's what I need to tell you about this story. Because this is what's important about the story. Because you think that God punished Jonah by making the whale eat him up. And on a very seriously, we need to understand something. God did not punish Jonah. And I asked that. I asked God, I said, well, why did you send a whale to eat him up? Why'd you send a whale to get him swallowed up? God said, because a shark would have ate him. And I had to think about it for a minute. See, because the whale didn't eat him. The Bible said he stayed in the belly of the whale for three days. And while he was in the belly of the whale, he had a chance to think. He's like, Lord, I should have done what you told me to do. But you know what? I didn't, and I'm accept what's happening because I'm getting ready to die in the belly of this whale. But you know what? If I had to do it all over again, Lord, I'd go where you told me to go. I'd do what you told me to do. And by about that time, I don't know if the whale got gas. I don't know what happened, but the whale just... And they said... Jonah just walked out. And when he walked out, he was standing right in front of the people that he was supposed to speak to. And he delivered the message that God told him to deliver. But Jason, this is the important part of that story. This is the important part of that story. Due to the fact that he followed through, and even though he went astray and he came back and he did what God told him to do, and he witnessed to the people, you know what happened? God saved them people. God saved that town. God saved that country. And we need to think about that as men. How many times we run from what God tell us to do. We as men need to stand up and do what God is telling us to do so we can save our nation. There you go. Yeah, that's a good Bible story. Mm. It's timely. Jonah in the bowels of the well. It's accurate. You know what? We need to get Joe Biden swallowed by a well, I think. That'll fix everything. I told you who Joe Biden reminds me of. (laughs) 
Joe Biden reminded me of Fire Marshal Bill from <laughs> Living Color. Remember that, remember yeah. that character uh, 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 Jim Carrey used to do? Yeah. Don't he look like the... Let me tell you something. <laughs> if you don't vote for me, you're not black. <laughs> uh, let me go to my approval. Say I'm lying. Yeah, let's go to our approval rating for the U.S. track and field team. <sighs> The entire team, not just the 4x100 relay, but the entire team. You guys know how this works. Everybody gets graded on a scale of 1 to 25 in four different categories. Job performance, character, authenticity, and it factor. We add it up, give you a score. Uh, The job performance of the U.S. track and field team has been bad, Jim. Okay. It's only been saved, in my view, by, uh, I think her name's Sydney McLaughlin. Okay. The finest track athlete America has ever produced. I can say that. She's 21. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I would give the rest of the team a zero. But Cindy McLaughlin, I'd give her a perfect 10. So I'm giving them a job performance of 10. Okay. I would like to just give them a 17 for job performance. Did you not watch the 4x100 relay team? Hey, man. The, 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 the men's Olympic team, or the whole Olympic team, man, they got 20 medals. The next closest team is Jamaica with seven. Come on, man. We got 20 medals in track and field? Yes. Oh, well, you did some homework. That's All right. Character, no accountability. Uh, this, again, is saved by Sydney. And I think there was a woman who finished behind Sydney McLaughlin, another American woman, Delilah Muhammad, I think. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to put Sydney McLaughlin's 10, plus I'm going to add another point for Delilah Muhammad, an 11 for the uh, character of the uh, track and field team. I think that, now this is where we may agree, because I think that the entire U.S. track and field team is a group of characters. I think that you, you take that Cherry Richardson... Shakari Richardson. Yeah, you take her, you take that Raven, that Saunders Raven, that, 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 that shot put lady. Yeah. That 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 the, the, the dude last night, the Craven with the relay thing, the the, the dude that Raven had Galepsy. Yeah, then you got Gwen Gwen Scary. <laughs> Gwen Scary Gwen Berry. Yeah, Gwen, Gwen Berry. Berry. Yeah. Then, then, then you got a Ryan Krauser, the shot put that got gold. Man, all of them. Then, then you got the, what's his name? Uh, uh, gay, the, the, the javelin thrower, Bo, or whatever his name is. I don't know that. Hey, man, look, they all look like a damn Looney Tunes cartoon. All of them. Tune Squad. All of them. <laughs> man, I, I, I ain't going to lie. These, these group of characters, I, I could get up on Saturday morning and eat Fruit Loops and watch these characters. All the, that's what they look like right there. That's a, pretty good. A, that's what they are. Twenty. Oh, how do we skip ahead already? But authenticity... I'll give them a 20, because I do think they're authentic. They're, they're a reflection of what we've produced here. So I'm going to give them a 20 in authenticity. Did you just see that picture? Yeah. That's authentic. That's authentic? That's authentic. That's right there. I give them a 25. I give, I give them a 25. Authentic. I don't yeah. know what that is. That's, Look at that no picture. fake boobs on that team. It's authentic. <laughs> <laughs> is that what you're saying? <laughs> it factor... Let me tell you something, how strong Sydney McLaughlin is. She can cover up for all the rest, from Raven Saunders, Gwen, <laughs> everything else. Almost a perfect score, a 24 in it factor. Uh, so I have an, oh, I'm sorry, you got him at a perfect score of you know 25. Why? Yeah, why? You know why? Because I'm going to tell you the truth. Let me be honest with you. Because yeah. yeah, we're joking about this track and field team. You yeah. know what, man? 
You know why the men's team did what they did last night? They only did that just to try to, because all, all we've been talking about is what? All of these women. We ain't talking about nothing these men doing. All we done talk about is all of these women and all of their failures. So men want to try to get some headlines. What did they have to do? <laughs> Fail. There you go. Spectacular. Other than that, I give them a 25. All right. I've got them at candlelit at a 65. You've got them at blazing hot. Smoking. you got them at blazing hot. Smoking. You know why? A 92. You know why? Why? Because they're the land of the free <laughs> and the home of the chiefs. <laughs> I need tomorrow to start singing. It's that time of year. Erase that, <laughs> that thing about you singing. You hear it tomorrow? That's an awesome song. I love it. She's awesome. All right. That's it, and that's all for us. We'll see you tomorrow. Want freedom No negotiation, my sister, no relation We all just want to have freedom Sitting on the corner, never been alone I'm breaking my back for freedom Bless, we are living, get back We are receiving, all deceiving We all want to be free We want freedom